There are better days to come. And it may not be in this life. I can't guarantee you that at all. But there are better days to come. for beautiful boredom beautiful beautiful let's give another round of applause for joseph message i'll be completely honest my sermon takes an entirely different tone <laughs> first i gotta say to seek god in the silence the title of my note is beautiful boredom which actually goes into his sermon but it's not what mine is about at all Weird connection, but just saw it there. Regardless, we see the Bible and we often see a book that is a collection of conversations between God and man. And yet in our own lives, we often have to endure silence from God. You see, the Bible shows rare things. Those conversations were not common, not in that day, not today, not across history. That's why they're collected and put in this one concise place. And the interesting thing about silence, though, is that it can benefit us. Picture this. You have a father trying to teach his kid how to ride a bike. Now, ideally, the father is not going to run alongside the kid as he rides. He'll run behind the kid. And ideally, the father won't have his hand on the kid's shoulder. He'll have it on the back of the seat. And this way, the kid does not see the father. He does not feel the father and yet the father is very much present. He may fall, have a few scrapes and bruises, but he learns how to ride on his own that way. As long as that father is in sight, is in feeling, that kid will always be dependent on him. And you see, we never have to worry about our father abandoning us because of Jesus. He endured complete forsakenness so that we would never have to. So the first thing I got to tell you, family, is that just because you cannot see God, cannot hear God, may not be able to feel God. He is always present. You see, Martin Luther kind of hits it on the head. He calls God the God who goes missing. And he argues that in God's silence, it is beneficial because it is to draw us closer to him through reason. And there's phases for this. It's kind of like if you give a baby a toy and then you hide it from them, they won't look for it. They'll forget about it. Imagine peekaboo. But if that baby gets a little bit older, you give them a toy and you take it away from them, they'll look for it because they know that just because it's out of sight does not mean that it does not exist. It is similar for us. It's usual that when we're walking with Christ, it will begin with infatuation, very high feelings. It'll begin with this beautiful concophony of emotions. But the thing about infatuation is that it's usually selfish. You can listen to a love song, just pick any one of them. And when you listen to the lyrics, you hear a lot about how this person makes me feel so good. And then you apply it to us and our walk and infatuation. And many times we'll be thinking of, oh, how God has blessed me. I wonder how he's going to bless me today. Oh, how good I feel when I pray and worship. I wonder how I'm going to feel today. Oh, I wonder what God is going to do for me now. But see, as we mature, our walk shifts from what we can get to some very simple how we can love God more. And it's always beautiful to still focus on how God has blessed us, how God has loved us, how God has saved us. Because as scripture says in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he loved us first. Our feelings, our preferences, our priorities, they shift from selfish to selfless. And it is the son who sets it in motion. 
And I don't blame you if you have doubt. Hear me out here. You can look at even figures like Mother Teresa. Now, we're not Catholic, but it applies. They say that Mother Teresa was the woman who had visions for one year, and then for the next 50, she had doubts. Even biblically, we see figures like David, you know, blessed. The Lord had been with him throughout his life, delivered him from Saul's hand, made him into a king. And in the midst of his journey, he still was grieving greatly. Why? Because God was silent in his life. A man who had explicitly heard from God was crying out. In Psalms 22, just beginning from verse 1, it reads, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me and they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. The psalm goes on, but those were just the first 11 verses. Hmm. Even in scripture, we hear individuals who cry out to the Lord because God is silent. And yet in this crying, they're reaching out to the Lord and they are further seeking him. It is this silence that leads them closer to the Lord. Amen. wonder, why do we even need this? Why doesn't God just answer our every question? Why can't he just be there in sight that we may all know for sure? Because as 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 states, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I do promise you, though, that there are better days to come. And it may not be in this life. I can't guarantee you that at all. But there are better days to come. You look at the three days in which Jesus lay dead in his tomb. His believers were probably grieving greatly. Some of them were probably even having doubts, questioning, is this man really the Messiah? I mean, that border to his tomb looks really heavy. Huh? His enemies were probably rejoicing. This man is just like any of the other false Christs before us. Sure, there was that miracle, that sign whenever he died, but he lays dead in that tomb. And if they went to the temple in the meantime while he was dead, they probably would have heard a sermon about Exodus, a sermon about a sacrificial lamb and could not help but shed tears. Yet they had hope. We also see figures like Job. It was sudden. He had no word from the Lord. He lost everything. And he still endured faithfully. Well, as faithfully as you can going through all that he did. You know, being in terrible health, sleepless nights, losing your family, your friends and your lover turned against you. Losing everything. And no word from the Lord? Seeking him day in and day out for an unknown amount of time and no response? I mean, sure, we know the ending of that story, but he didn't. He had no clue what was yet to come. And many times, one of the most challenging times for the believer will be when they pray and they pray and God is silent. When they pray and they pray, and as this sermon is inspired simply by a book titled God on Mute. And yet still, in seeking him, we are drawn nearer to him. And in seeking him, there is still hope for a better day, even if it is not in this lifetime. Because I cannot guarantee you that God will say yes to your prayers. But I can guarantee that in faithfully enduring, we will draw near. Mm. Even Job, I just want to paint a picture of how solemn it was for him in this time. He wanted to curse the day that he was born. 
Even though he had been incredibly blessed up to that point in his life, he was willing to throw it all away because of how terrible it was when God was silent. As Job 3 verses 1 through 10 read, After this day, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, Let the day perish on which I was born. And the night that said, A man is conceived, let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let clouds dwell upon it. Let the darkness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are ready to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its dawn be dark. Let it hope for light, but have none, nor see eyelids of the morning. Because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide trouble from my eyes. Mm. But still, I got to say to you, to seek wholeheartedly God in the midst of your pain. The thing about Job, even though he made those cries for misery, even though he was defending himself against his friends, who were so avidly trying to attack the man because they could not possibly come to conclusions with the belief that if Job was really a righteous man and this happened to him, it could happen to us. So they'd rather make some up. The thing about Job was he always sought an audience with the Lord. Now, it wasn't until about 20, 30 books in that the Lord responded, but he always sought an audience with the Lord. And some of the most impactful prayers that you'll pray are when tears are flowing down your face. Your smile is lost. It had to have been misplaced. And you don't even want to thank the Lord for his grace, but you almost want to curse him for allowing for you to end up in that place. And yet still, he may not even reply. But I beckon you. That in these times to pray with honesty, to seek the Lord wholeheartedly, he knows your heart, there's no reason to lie. And in the end, when we faithfully endure, we draw nearer to him. And we're able to shout thanks that our names are written in heaven. As M.O.K. says, in times of great trial, there are only two ends. We either become bitter or we become better. In conclusion, I want to end it with a Bible verse. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. God may be silent, but at no point is he absent. Thank you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled Beautiful Boredom by George Bronner. This message is number 4118. That's 4118. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4118 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh,